I feel as a bookkeeper, it's really not my job to judge. I'm hired to put together financial statements. I do ask questions. I will code things the way the client has asked me to code them. But um, I think it's a good idea to have a bookkeeper, to have a second set of eyes, and it's checks and balances. Hi, my name is Beth Anderson Filson. I'm a family law attorney. I also do probate, elder law, and we can write your will or your estate plan. And everything we do is related to families. And I like to say that families are like a tree. And by that I mean, they don't all look alike. They don't look like a perfect lollipop like a little child would draw for a tree or a stick figure family like a little child would draw. They're complicated, they're asymmetrical, they're unique, branches might break off, people might break up, people even die. But guess what? They're still very beautiful and they're still a family. And I like to say, you're not just breaking up, you're breaking upward. So that's the name of our podcast and I'm delighted to have my bookkeeper, Elizabeth Carlson with me and she's been my bookkeeper for longer than the nine years that my firm has been around. In fact, she encouraged me to start my firm. And she is going to talk to you about what you need to do if you own a business or are a 1099 and you're some sort of contractor perhaps and you're about to get divorced. And so before we get started on that really important topic, let's have Elizabeth introduce herself. Go ahead, Elizabeth. Hello everyone, I'm Elizabeth Carlson with Lighthouse Bookkeeping. As Beth said, I am her bookkeeper and I do bookkeeping services for small businesses and individuals. And thank you for having me on your podcast today. Yeah, it's so great to have you here. And just really quick, we'll put it in the show notes, but how can people get in touch with you? So my website is lighthousebookkeeping.biz. My email address is elizabeth at lighthousebookkeeping.biz. Perfect. And so I've had problems with clients, I'm gonna dive right in and address it, where they either have a business or they are an independent contractor and they don't bother to get their books in order and then they go to trial either in a probate case that's looking at their income or more commonly in a divorce or a custody dispute or a post decree or a post allocation of parental responsibilities where people are looking at what they earn that comes up a lot because that's how we will calculate your child support and your maintenance. Maintenance in Colorado is our word for alimony. If you are receiving it, you probably want as much as possible. If you're paying it, you wanna pay as little as possible usually, and it comes down to your income. And I'm here to tell you, if you don't have your books in order, if you don't have your financials and provide them as part of that process, the court is gonna look at your gross income. And that would be a disaster. I'll use myself as an example. My gross income on my business is nowhere near what I take home because I have staff, I have contractors, I have employees, I pay rent, I pay for supplies, insurance, on and on and on. So it would just be a nightmare if a judge imputed my full income for my business to me. Even what I pay Elizabeth, it's all included and she has my books in order so everyone knows my take-home income when I file my taxes and my take-home income when I had custody issues and child support maintenance, they're just different. And so a court can impute income and what that means is they can say, hey, you don't make enough, 
get out there and make more. Or they can say, you know what, I'm gonna look at your gross income because you didn't provide any paperwork. And so we're gonna impute that whole income for your business or your 1099 to you to calculate these numbers, that's a terrible ripoff, but it's because you didn't have your books in order. So that's a lawyer's perspective. I just wanted to dive right in and make that clear. And so we're so lucky to have bookkeepers like Elizabeth who can help you get your financials in order. So let's start with someone who owns their own business like you do, Elizabeth, and I do. What are the financials? Well, Beth, it's very important for you to keep bank statements, credit card statements, and with those statements, we can produce financial statements, a balance sheet and a profit and loss statement. That lists your gross income and then all the expenses that you incur. Sometimes people mix their money, meaning personal, with their business. Sometimes you may not have your business credit card with you and you spend money, so it's very important for you to keep track of your receipts and give those to your bookkeeper and make sure they all get included because as you said those items are used to determine child support and alimony so it's very important for people to have their financials in order absolutely and then for people who want to do their own books what do you recommend they do there's a program called quickbooks that is pretty familiar to the public i use it it's it's easy to understand um, just keep really good track of that keep your receipts you can use spreadsheet accounting, but some sort of something to record your transactions, your income, like you said, your 1099 income, your W-2 income, to give proof to the court that the money you've made and the money you spent. Perfect. If someone wants to hire an accountant or a bookkeeper, what's the difference between an accountant and a bookkeeper? So accountants are people who file your tax returns. Bookkeepers do all the legwork to um, get the information to the CPA to file the tax returns. Okay, gotcha. And then sometimes there are people who say, well, I'm a payroll company. What's the difference of a payroll company and a bookkeeper? So there are payroll companies and their practice is just to produce payroll for you. They take care of all your quarterly reports and your requirements by the IRS. A bookkeeper can also do payroll. Not every bookkeeper does that. Sometimes they outsource that. Um, a bookkeeper really helps you produce that financial document that you're needing to produce for your courts. Okay, yeah, that all makes sense. And then you talked about some forms, so let's go through each one. Some people are gonna know this, it's old hat. Others might not know. What is a profit and loss statement? Your profit and loss statement shows the income that you've made versus the expenses that it cost you to make that income. And at the bottom of that form, it will either show your net income or your net loss. And those numbers are passed through to your personal tax return. Yeah, and it depends on what kind of entity you are, like an S-corp and all that. Do you, I didn't ask you this, but do you know the difference between those things? Yes, I do. So an S-corp, the owner takes can take payroll from the company and the bottom line flows through to their personal tax return. There is a C-corp, that is double taxed. The corporation is taxed and then the profit is also taxed on your personal return. There's also a sole proprietorship. Uh, the purpose of an LLC is to protect a person from somebody coming after them if they made a mistake on a job that they did. Okay, and then I'm a PC, a professional corporation. Do you know the difference? Not really, but I just know that I was advised to set up a professional corporation because I'm a professional, but if I'm 
remembering correctly, I'm still in S Corp. Is that correct? You're correct. So my income flows through to my personal taxes. So I highly recommend having a bookkeeper, especially if you have a court case, you are going to have enough on your plate. And if you ever read the book, The E-Myth, the whole idea of that book is you delegate things that are not related to your skill set. Like I'm a lawyer, I also do some marketing, but I delegate other things like bookkeeping so I don't spend time and pull my hair out on something that is really not second nature to me. So I really recommend it. So now we talked about your profit loss statement. What is a balance sheet? Your balance sheet lists your assets and your liabilities. So your bank accounts will be on there, your credit cards, and any loans that you may owe to somebody to um, fund your business. Also, um, any assets that you own, if you own buildings, vehicles, and things like that. Now, there are people who are independent contractors. Tell me about them. An independent contractor is a person that has a skill set that can work for more than one person at a time. They are not required to be on a job at a specific time and have an ending time, and so they're called a 1099 employee. No taxes are withheld from the wages that they are paid. They get issued a 1099 at the end of the year, and they're required to file that on their tax return. Yes, and I work with a lot of people who are 1099s, there are um, contractors, and I know I'm very cautious to say this is a contractor, and a contractor for me in my business, they need to have an independent contractor agreement that shows that they're not a W-2 employee. They need to set their own hours. They can choose their rate, and when they wanna work, I don't get to dictate that to them. They have to try to get jobs from other employers, because that's one of the requirements, at least that I have, so that it shows that they're not just an employee for me. I'm really strict about it because I never wanna be investigated to say, hey, is this an employee or is this a W-2? Um, I mean, is this an employee, a W-2, or is this a 1099 contractor and have Dora go after me or somebody to say we didn't do it right? So I'm very, very strict. I love our contractors, they're top notch. Some of my longest term, um, people who work with me are contractors and they're every bit as good as anybody else. That being said, I've seen clients and I'm never gonna name out one client, it's always a composite, but I've seen clients who are contractors, they have no books and the judge says, you know, you haven't proven that you have to pay your own taxes, you haven't proven that you have overhead, you haven't written up anything to show that your gross income as a contractor is not your net income that you take home and they imputed them to the income of the gross income it's really unfair and i never want to have one of my clients do that so that's something that i feel very strongly about get it right so that you don't pay too much it's really unfair so hopefully that's clear another question i have for you is can you tell us a little bit about cash accounting versus accrual accounting like most law firms are more cash accounting yeah a cash business um is when you pay for it at the time it counts on your books and when you receive money at the time it counts on your in your bookkeeping if you're in a cruel business you could uh, bill somebody and they haven't paid their bill yet but you would uh, you would a lot for that money that they owe you on your books so your net income would be different than if you were on a cash basis and had not received the cash for 
that service you provided. Yeah, exactly. And I usually run it by the CPA, which one's better for me. And as I said, most law firms like mine were cash basis, but you want to know. Now, something I've run into when we go to court is you have these beautiful reports that you either generated yourself on QuickBooks or whatever software, or you have a great bookkeeper do it. And then you waltz into court with these reports. It's not enough. And as a lawyer, I'll tell you why. The judge may demand to see your backup documentation. One thing I hear sometimes in accounting is GIGO, garbage in, garbage out. If you just give numbers to your accountant and they're not real, they're gonna generate tax returns and reports based on the numbers they got and they may not have the backup documentation. So if you are going into a hearing on contested child support or contested maintenance, that's alimony, and your income's at issue, you really need to have backup documentation, not just the balance sheet. So Elizabeth, can you talk about what is good backup documentation for financial books for businesses and contractors? So you get bank statements every month and credit card statements. It's very important to keep digital copies of those. Uh, Paper copies tend to fade and after a certain period of time, the banks and credit card companies no longer allow you access to those past statements. It's usually about three to five years. So I recommend keeping digital copies of those. Those would be good backup paperwork to prove the numbers that you've gotten. Exactly. Anything that you list, you probably need to prove it. If you're paying rent, we want to see a lease or a bank deposit or something to show that's your rent. If you are paying staff, you need to show the information that proves that you actually paid them. If you are paying yourself, again, documentation, insurance, overhead, rotating accounts, all of those things are examined. And they're also relevant if your business is being valued by a business appraisal, a business valuation. And so that's another thing where you really want to have impeccable books because you could very well have to divide up your business in a divorce and then they're gonna look at your business and say, hey, what's this worth? Wow, your business is killing it and it's worth a million dollars. It does not matter necessarily whether your spouse worked the business because it's a family asset. That's something that people get confused about all the time. And it may well be that that's a family asset. You may have an outsider come in and give it a value And then you have to buy out the other party for their share, whether they work the business or not. So that's another reason you want to have impeccable books and really see what it's worth and get a good result. So I hadn't really brought that up when I was talking to Elizabeth, but do you have any comments on that? Like how to document the value of a business? Yeah, it's very important to keep your bank accounts reconciled and try to keep your personal and your business transactions separated. Um, I know a lot of loan companies and other people want your documents to lend you money, to replenish money into your business, to give you a valuation, like you said, to determine if that's a asset that needs to be divided at the time of divorce. Well, and that's another good point is we want our businesses to have different values depending on what we're doing. So if you're applying for a loan or a credit card, you may want to show that your business is really making a lot of money. You want to show you're a good risk. If you're trying to sell your business, you want to show it has a high value. On the other hand, If you're dividing it up and someone's buying you out or you have to buy someone out, you may or may not want it to have a low value depending on if 
you are buying them out, you're gonna want it to be a low value. If they're buying you out, you probably want it to be a high value. And there is even case law about a business valuation. If you don't get it, the other party might be able to come back and reopen the whole divorce and say, you know, we should have had this. That's a very complicated issue. But of course, if I'm doing a divorce and the other party's buying out my client, I am going to want their loan applications where they're bragging about how much money they make. I am going to want the paperwork where they're trying to sell the business or they just sold a branch or something that shows how well they're doing. On the other hand, if my client's the one that has to buy out the other party, I'm not quite as incentivized to do that. So there's a lot of moving pieces. It's not just income, it's the value of the asset as well. And I find that taxes are so important because that is showing income, the IRS and the state revenue department, they want top dollar. So they're gonna say your income's high, high, high. Guess what? Also, if you're paying alimony or child support, your ex is going to say the same. They're going to be aligned with the IRS and the state revenue department. They want your numbers to be high so they get more money usually. On the other hand, if you're paying, you have the same incentive to have a great accountant a great bookkeeper to say, you know, it's really not what it looks to be. I don't make as much as it seems and you're gonna know all those tax deductions and things. So that's important. It got me thinking of something else that I hadn't really brought up before. If you own real estate, especially rentals, you can depreciate a lot, but judges know that and they know that you may still be bringing in a lot of rent income. So your tax return might show, wow, I'm not bringing in any rental income because I depreciated the apartment or the house I own and there's zero income. I've heard multiple judges say, I don't buy it, I get it, but you're drawing a check every day just because for taxes, you can depreciate something or write it off doesn't mean it's not income. Do you have anything to weigh in on that? Well, rental income does go on your tax return, so that's very important to keep track of that. It's also very important to keep track of the expenses that it costs you to run those properties. If you miss receipts, you're going to be overstating what your income is, and that's not going to serve you very well. Exactly, so that's something people fight about all the time in divorce. Now, this is something that I actually think is a little bit funny. And again, I want to emphasize, I am not gonna talk about any specific case. I'm not going to talk about any specific clients. And I'm not going to talk about any specific exes or opposing parties. These are composites. These are things that happen all the time. So I'm not talking about you. And by the way, it happened a lot more than you. And that's why it's a composite of a whole bunch of people who had these issues. But I think it's funny sometimes when people try to hide expenses in their business. And there are a couple ways that comes up. So I'll start with the one that I think is a little bit funny is when they have something a little bit shady on the side, like maybe a boyfriend or a girlfriend who they're supporting and buying them things. Maybe they take a lot of travel or they have a secret bank account that they never tell their partner about, things like that. So have you seen any of those things in your work, Elizabeth? I am familiar with a couple of unmentioned clients that have purchased things that should not be on company books. I don't agree with that. I don't like doing bookkeeping for those types of clients. Yeah, it's something that's more common than people realize. Here's the thing, when you get divorced, 
it is going to come out. And so figure it out. Figure it out beforehand and you probably are not going to be that successful at hiding it. And above all, I am going to weigh in on don't hide it from your attorney. I just did a podcast with Brandy Pamel and Crystal Andrade on don't hide things from your attorney because it shines a light on it. And also forewarned is prepared so that you can get ready to defend the issue and handle it. So I'd rather see it, don't hide it from me, and then we can get prepared to protect you as best we can. You'd be surprised when you tell your attorney about something that we have all sorts of ways to handle it that will not make you look bad. And so disclose. What about for bookkeepers? What about disclosing things where people are a little embarrassed to the bookkeeper? What's your um, position on that, Elizabeth? I feel as a bookkeeper, it's really not my job to judge. I'm hired to put together financial statements. I do ask questions. I will code things the way the client has asked me to code them. I think it's a good idea to have a bookkeeper, to have a second set of eyes, and it's checks and balances. Yeah, I really like that. I can't recommend it highly enough. I usually tell people who don't have a bookkeeper, can you just do it for the divorce? And then hopefully you'll get up to speed for the future, but you need to watch out for these things and you may not know what you don't know. I've even had accountants and bookkeepers come in and save my clients a bundle because they weren't deducting the right things, they weren't accounting properly, and come to find out they're doing better than they thought. So information is always helpful in divorce. I know people think otherwise that they wanna hide things, but it usually backfires and I do not recommend it, especially for your attorney. Give them a chance and they will figure out a way, almost always, to protect you with more information than less. And like I said, it shines a light on it when you don't turn it over. So that's kind of a big deal to me. And I just want to reassure people that you have privilege and confidentiality with your lawyer. They're not going to tell everyone certain things. You do have to disclose, but they can have private conversations about how to handle things that you will never be able to have with anyone else. So trust your attorney. Turn things over. We know what we're doing. We are here to protect you to the extent we can and we're here to tell you when sometimes you're just hiding things that you shouldn't and it's going to blow up in your face and we're here to tell you the bad news you don't want to hear better to hear it from me behind closed doors than in an open courtroom with all your friends and family listening in and it's too late to prevent it so that's kind of a big deal for me and then another thing that happens all the time is businesses can pay for a lot of things and by that i mean Often you might be working at home, so you get a tax deduction and maybe consider it a business expense for your home office. Or you might rent a car and have the business pay for your car. You might have an HSA health savings account or a meal allowance, all those things. Even when you're not owning your own business, you might have some of those advantages. So how does that work from a bookkeeper's perspective, Elizabeth, when people are paying their personal expenses through their business so we can take uh, things through the owner's distribution if they have commingled their funds and write that off at the same time we can accrue for owners contributions if you've used your incorrect credit card or you've paid cash for something or you've paid out of your personal checking account we it works both ways yeah, and even I, sometimes Elizabeth will say, why did you buy gas on the business credit card? And oh my gosh, it was a mistake and we'll make an adjustment and take it as an owner draw or something, just like an, a simple oversight. But I keep my books clean 
I do not have one set of books with all my personal and all my business in the same account. I really recommend you do it my way. But don't be ashamed if you don't. We see clients every year where personal and business is all mishmashed together. They never did it. They never broke it up. And it can be unwound with a good bookkeeper after the fact when the divorce starts. They can help clean up your books and I highly recommend it. So that's very common. Also, it's okay for the business to pay some of the things I described, like a meal allowance or for a car. Even some people, they own multiple properties and somehow they're running it through the business. I'm here to tell you as a family law attorney, that's not the end of the discussion. And by that I mean, let's say you have someone, oh, my income is 80,000, they'll tell you. That's my W-2 income. Or more commonly, I take a 40,000 W-2 income and then I do owner draws for another 40,000. That can be a really good tax benefit. But what they're not mentioning is they're paying their home rent through the business. They're getting their car through the business. They are getting all their meals through the business. Like basically they have almost no overhead. Everything's going through the business. It's okay, but in divorce, a judge and the other attorney and the other party might say, yeah, but their expenses are so much less. Let's count it as income. So I want you to know that that's something that may be examined and think about it. So even though it might not be considered income per se, a judge gets to pierce through it and say, hey, you're getting a huge advantage here. Your income is higher than what you say. And they try to come up with a number that's fair. That's what they usually do. A little known fact, you can go to the family support registry and have them do a case review and kind of get a feel for what they calculate your income. And that's an administrative way to get your income calculated and then you can kind of look at those numbers and use them in your divorce or in your post decree, that means after your divorce or your post allocation of parental responsibilities and kind of see, hey, where are they going with these numbers? So it's not like you're in a trial or mediation and then you find out that it's being calculated a different way. And what you do with these numbers, by the way, it's a whole different podcast, is you are going to put it in your calculation of your child support and maintenance. It's the family law software. We can also run it for you on Math for Law, which I like a lot, and just come up with what your numbers will be. And that's how it used, how it is used. And then if it changes, say 10%, you can go back to court and modify it. You're gonna exchange your financials every year. So it's not a one and done. If you get divorced, you may be back in court looking at all these numbers every year. Happens all the time. Another thing that happens is someone in divorce or afterward works for their spouse, their new spouse. And then there's all sorts of shenanigans and it's not a specific case. There's a lot of cases where they make it look like their partner's income is next to none so that they don't have to pay the child support and the maintenance. Judges are wise to that, they'll catch you. So that's basically everything I wanted to go over. Do you have anything, Elizabeth, that you wanted to chime in that I missed about bookkeeping and divorce or any sort of court case? Well, thanks for having me today, Beth. I just wanted to reiterate that it's important for anybody to keep track of their personal bank accounts and their business bank accounts and reconcile your accounts each month. That'll allow you to examine where you're spending your money and where your income is coming from. And it will definitely help you if you ever go through a divorce. Yes, yeah, stay on top of it. Also, I forgot to ask you this. Why would someone want a bookkeeper instead of just doing it themselves? 
I think it's important to have a professional that's familiar with the industry. Um, just to reiterate that we know the things that you can write off and the things that you can't, or we can think of some advantages to your business that you might not have thought about. Um, it also uh, frees you up to do what you're in business to do and be where you need to be. I think so, and it also holds me accountable. So I'm not just going and buying whatever I want and not worrying about it. In fact, a lot of times I'll say, uh, I need to ask Elizabeth if I can do that. And I don't feel like I'm in charge of my budget all the time because I don't stay on top of it as much. So I'll check in with my bookkeeper. Hey, we wanna do this, does it make sense right now? Let's look at our revenue, let's look at our expenses. How's this gonna work? So it's really held me accountable. And I recommend having a good bookkeeper. I don't regret it. And after nine years, I wouldn't do it any other way. So that's my two cents. And now comes time for our joke of the day. And I think, Elizabeth, you know this joke. So feel free to chime in if you know it, or you can just say you don't know. My question for you is, how was copper wiring invented? I don't know, Beth. Two people in a divorce fighting over a penny. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, I think it's pretty funny. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, that's one of my favorites. And I thought it was on point because you're a bookkeeper. Yes, so that's a great go. joke. Yeah, so that's our joke of the day. And then our next thing that we're going to get into is our um, kind of question of the day for next time. I don't know for sure what my next podcast will be about, but I have a general idea that sometime in the near future, I will be doing a podcast about getting a divorce from someone who's very controlling, who's a narcissistic, who might have personality issues, or just plain old fashioned selfish. And how do you get through the process? You're having a hard enough time being married to this person and perhaps it's just a label for a bundle of behaviors, but they are good at divorce because maybe they're able to lie well. They might not have that kind of empathy that might hold other people back. They want to win at all costs. They might be willing to put the kids in the middle. And sometimes in fairness, both parties think the other person is a narcissist or has some issue. In fact, almost all my divorces, they say the other person needs a psych eval like pretty much all my divorces. They don't think they need one, but they're pretty sure the other party does. And then you may be accused of it. If I'm getting a call every day, I'm getting a divorce from a narcissist, that means that someone else every day is being called one. So it's a tough issue right now. I'm curious, like, what do you think about that and what are some pointers? I know it's not your area of expertise, but I just thought you might want to weigh in. Yeah, I think it would be really important for the person that is seeking the divorce to get some therapy and definitely self-care. Yeah, I can't recommend that more. I think that whatever it takes for you to stay calm is huge in divorce. And it's actually legal advice because I can't help you if your mind is spinning and you can't control your emotions. Some of that's to be expected, don't get me wrong. I have a high tolerance that your emotions are out of control, your emotions, and that's okay. We're not here to judge you. But if you can get some help with that, it's going to help you focus. We also have things as lawyers that we do. I'm also a mediator. I do it as a mediator. Maybe you're in different rooms. Maybe you don't read their toxic texts and emails and you run it through a lawyer who can clean it up and make it less hurtful. 
it's good to have a lawyer who's familiar with that personality type so that they can help that person who's facing those behaviors stand up for themselves but not pick the wrong battles. Interestingly enough, it's usually much easier to represent the party who's being accused of having a personality disorder or being selfish or narcissistic because they are able a lot of time to just reduce it down to dollars and cents without as much emotional trauma to themselves. And the other person is so beaten down, they, can't, they have such a hard time doing it. So I think getting the therapy, the help you need, and, and for both parties, because really it's not black and white. There's a saying that Snow White doesn't marry Frankenstein. But then I'm like, well, the beauty marries the beast. But, you know, I mean, there's not one specific gender. No one put a gun to your head to marry this person or have a child with them. There are some things you're just going to have to get through. But um, I think just having that self-care, whether it's running over a mountain or you're religious or you meditate, whatever it takes is huge. And pace yourself. I think that's a really big deal. And then have an attorney who's going to help you pick your battles because sometimes when you've been beaten down in your marriage and you're finally free, you think everything is equally important, whether it's $10 or 10,000, and a lawyer can help you get through that. And we're not emotional. We'll be able to calmly get through all the issues. So I couldn't agree with you more. So that's kind of how I take it. Now, wrapping up Elizabeth, how would you like to conclude? What are some final notes you'd like to end on and maybe some ways that people can get in touch with you if they're still listening and you want to repeat it? Sure. Again, I'm Elizabeth Carlson. I own a company called Lighthouse Bookkeeping. My website is lighthousebookkeeping.biz and I can be reached at elizabeth at lighthousebookkeeping.biz. And I think it's just uh, real important for people to reconcile their bank accounts monthly and if you don't understand how to do that, you can reach out and have somebody get you set up, show you the ropes. They don't necessarily have to be the person doing it. Um, if you're afraid you can't afford the expense like that, um, it's a good checks and balances to have some another set of eyes on that. Yes, for sure. Good bookkeeping is mandatory, I believe, in a divorce or any custody issue that involves child support or maintenance. And a bookkeeper is probably the best way to go. If you can make it happen, you probably will make the money back. And they might even be able to testify for you or call into mediation. So I agree with you. And then my contact information, I'll tell you my cell phone. It's 303-808-4794. And you can just call my cell or text me and I'll get you going for a free consult. You can mention this podcast. That's helpful so we know people are listening to the end. And my website is Beth Lynn Anderson with an E, JD for jurisdoctorate.com. And our office number is 720-922-3880. So we're really easy to find. Everybody should get a free consult. We're always busy, but we're always happy to talk to the next really great client and get you in the right direction. So in conclusion, as usual, families change form, but they're still families. There's no shame in it. It's a new era where we realize that relationships aren't always for a lifetime as a marriage or a partnership living together but you still might be raising kids together or maybe you just go your separate ways 
you're still part of a family. So try to remember, keep your chin up, and think about it that you're not just breaking up, but you're breaking upward. Thank you for joining us.